Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up Podcast presented by Top Step. I am one of your hosts, Jack, and I am just giving a little introduction before Dan joins me. As a reminder, we are recording this live now on YouTube, the Top Step YouTube channel, at 3 p.m. on Thursdays. So feel free to stop by there if you ever want to ask us questions live. In the meantime, we have a great conversation today about the day in the NASDAQ. Hint, it was way down. Also, we'll be talking about congestion areas and how you can use them to help you set levels and hopefully have some higher probability trades. So with that, let's get on to the show. Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to Limit Up Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Hodgman sitting down with Jack Pelzer. I'm here as well. Uh, How's it going, Jack? It's going uh, phenomenal. We had a big directional day, as we talked about today, on Thursday, February 3rd. So we'll hit all of that. And then we're going to discuss a little analysis of congestion areas, congestion zones, all that good stuff for your trading. So, Dan, tell us what happened today. Well, we got some movement in the markets. You got uh, crude oil ro- rotating from 87 bucks up all the way to $90 a barrel. Now, Jack, I'm going to take a minute here to get a little uh, Please. Dan's rant out of the way. Um, I'm sick and tired of these oil prices going higher like this. I just had to fill my truck up. And I live in Wisconsin. We got pretty favorable gas prices. Um, I was in Illinois yesterday for a little bit. Um, I filled up before I drove across the border. I filled up at $3.19 a gallon for regular. I went across the border. It was, uh, I think it was $3.69 a gallon. Paid almost. I paid over eighty dollars to fill my tank yesterday. God, that was a painful fill up. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost out of gas on the truck already, and have to go refill. Where are you driving? <laughs> I had to drive a couple hours into Illinois after work yesterday and back. Um, well, that sounds miserable. to run a, run a couple errands. Well, for all of you guys out there who are a little bit uh, older, 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 you'll remember that the kind of high for the oil futures was actually back in what 2007 2008 got up to around 150 dollars a barrel so there's always room to the upside there um back i remember then, i remember back in 2012 uh my truck at the time had a pretty large tank it had like a 38 gallon tank on my truck so it would, could hold a lot of gas and i used to never let it go below half a tank because the gas pump uh, at the military base that I was stationed at had like a cap at $125 it'd click off and I was filling up and it would literally click off before I could fill half of my tank sometimes. Well, it certainly hasn't deterred you in your thirst for petroleum so far. No. Oh, we'll see. Oh, geez. Well, Jack, we got a big run here uh, kind of coming up into the last uh, ending of the day. We got earnings are rolling through. So earnings are really what's going to cause these uh, end of day moves here. Uh, we got excitement kind of on the close. So you got... S&P taking a pretty big break here today. We just had a big bounce at the, I mean, we had the NASDAQ looks like bounced, if I'm seeing this right, 200 some points off the low. It was it was down around 600 down, and then I just looked over at it, and it's up. Yeah, uh, we're, we're almost 300 up from that low. That's some volatility, folks. So huge move there, huge move in S&Ps as well. Both of the, I think S&Ps last, I just looked a few minutes ago, we were down about 2%. That's now down 1.6%. Um, NASDAQ, you know, and I, here's what I want to talk about too, looking at the NASDAQ a little bit, which is kind of interesting. And when this market opened up, uh, you had a little volatility, could not pick direction, but we, it continued to hit this wall 
every move it took uh, right up to 14,800. So from a trading perspective, you get really good opportunity when a market is showing a level and that level is holding really nicely. Look for looking at rejection there. Great opportunity for shorts every time that market comes up there. So you got a really nice opportunity today to take it from 800 down below 500. So you had a really nice 300 plus point move to the downside um, off the open for an opportunity. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned earnings kind of being the spark for this. One in particular yesterday that kind of got this uh, ball rolling downhill was our good friend of the podcast, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, uh, who had... <laughs> 28 billion dollars of his worth vaporized i'd still take the rest but um facebook wow declining users daily users for the first time in history first time in a quarter and dropped 25 percent today that's Big downside move there um jack what do you think it is do you think it's I have my opinion on Facebook because I am kind of that era, right? Like I remember when I got my first Facebook, when I got my Facebook for the first time. It was in college. Facebook was kind of ramping up. Everyone was getting one. And like now it's like my era of friends and people that I grew up with, you're just phasing out of Facebook because it's not, it's not what we used to use it for from what I remember. So I'm a few years older than you, and consequently, I have one of the lowest, I think my Facebook number or user identifier, I think I was one of the first five or 10,000 people on Facebook because I happened to be going into my freshman year of college at one of the early colleges that was added to it, and everyone was into it because it was brand new and stuff like that. It's obviously had huge growth and benefit from advertising. Here's the problem with Facebook right now. You hit the first part on the head that they're not doing well with young people on any of their main, I mean, their, their legacy. So they own WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook, okay? So Facebook is essentially uh, the boomer mill right now, which yeah. is not what you want. Um, you got TikTok kind of eating their lunch with uh, TikTok and Snapchat eating their lunch there. And But the bigger one is they've only these are the two things beyond that because i feel like everyone understands that first part here's two other big things they've grown through acquisition they saw instagram as a competitor they saw whatsapp as a competitor and they bought them up okay with the increased scrutiny on the antitrust thing they can't do that anymore and new founders and innovators they don't want to work for facebook because of all that that entails uh that's part one I believe there's a third part to this. So you have younger users, you have, um, they can't grow through acquisition. And then um, the third is just that they're just outstanding their reach. They're trying to build a virtual universe. You've got that. It's getting a little crazy. You know, there's also like the trust issues. You know, you talked about um that a little bit so you get the trust issues but i gotta touch on something because i do think this is kind of cool when you bring up how early your user number is i used to work with a guy that was at harvard when zuckerberg was launching my what, what it wasn't facebook it was like it was face mash or something like that fa yeah so he was at harvard at the same time that was all happening uh so he's i've gotten some great stories about like the early days of facebook when harvard first got it no cool we'll have to you know talk to our lawyers and spill those out i remembered the part <laughs> i remembered the part three 
Okay, they're, here we go. They're a pure advertising company, and they're getting um, hurt by what Apple's doing with, I forget off the top of my head what the acronym is, but um, Apple with their devices is uh, making it very hard for them to track and target with advertising, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of a brilliant ploy by Apple, and I guess that's why they're worth nearly $3 trillion. Right, that could be it right there too. So, I, you know, I think we... We talked about what I think is important in these markets here today. Amazon obviously doing well, it looks like, uh, on their earnings numbers kind of coming through. Just real quick, um, you know, earnings per share, $27.75. Revenue uh, a little better than expected. They were expecting $137.4 billion. Uh, Not huge difference, $137.6 billion, so $0.2 billion uh, better than expected. You know what? Uh, Bezos, if you want to just pass that point two over to me, yeah, uh, I, I'd be fine with it. Your numbers are still going to hit. Your stock's going to still go up. Uh, if you want to just send point two billion over to me, I'd be very content with that. What's point two billion between friends? But uh, right? watch out with these re- these earnings numbers too. Is remember these all encompass the expectations, and a lot of these companies, maybe you know, maybe Amazon's the best example. But you think of some of the real high flyers. Like Tesla released earnings a little bit ago, and it was kind of whatever as far as the stock price. They've kind of been falling with the rest of the NASDAQ. But when you're that highly valued, you can't just be beating your numbers. you got to be smashing them. you got to be raising the bar because they've already incorporated all these uh, – future growth is already baked in, radical future growth. And at some point, you got to – you got to keep beating those expectations. So it's tough. Right. We've got these companies that just a few years ago, we'd never seen a trillion dollar market cap company. Now we have multiple in that sector. You got Apple at 3 trillion. I mean, you're just seeing this exponential continuation in the growth to the upside at some point, And watch this. They're yeah. going to hit a little congestion. Ah, and the market's going to uh, come back. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So Dan's kind of hit the nail on the head here is uh, today for sort of our evergreen topic. <laughs> We want to talk about congestion areas. It's something that came up the other day on Coach's Playbook. Dan is interested. And uh, just so we're operating from the same base, a congestion area, you'll see it on your charts as defined by prices essentially moving more or less sideways for an extended period of time. It can change. It can be shorter or longer periods. These periods are usually defined by... um, usually lower volatility, lower volume typically. They tend to end on a big volume movement day, like for instance today might be. But Dan, I'll let you talk about uh, your experiences with congestion areas first. Absolutely. So for me, when it comes to congestion, it's a visual area you're looking for time and volume being traded at, right? Mick actually showed it really nicely on the Coach's Playbook. Um, if you guys never watched that, go to our YouTube page. There's Coach's Playbook there. It would have been the Coach's Playbook on uh, I'm going to look at the calendar because I'm going to screw it up. On February 1st, uh, that coach's playbook, we, we kind of delve into it. And they're really, truly visual areas where you're not where you're seeing a lot of price bar overlap uh, is a simple way of putting this. When you see candlesticks kind of continuing to stack up next to each other, when you see that happening, you start to instantly think, hey, I am starting to see the market work sideways. When you start to kind of create that uh, opinion that the market's working sideways, you're starting to create consolidation. And consolidation, for the most part, is when the market both sides of the market think we're at pretty fair value too, right? If you're not bidding up and you're not seeing offers push it down and you're really seeing that market kind of hold a consistent price, people are actually pretty content with that. So you can do with that congestion area 
it's not the easiest to trade out trade out of. That's when you're gonna look for those breakout trades, which if you guys know me, you know I'm not a breakout trader. That's not something I like to look for. I like to find ranges. I like trading inside them. That's really where I find my my biggest opportunity. But when you start to see the market approaching previous congestion, when you start to see that market approach previous congestion, it's where that market found fair value price. And so it's gonna be attracted when it gets there. You're going to see that market slow up. So for me, congestion is such a key visual over time. And I like to look at it personally. I'm not. It's hard for me to see congestion on, say, a 30-minute chart or even an hourly chart because, hey, it sat there for an hour or it sat there for four hours. Well, what was going on? Oh, well, you know what? Uh, it was the three hours prior to Fed. Um, when that usually happens, the market gets a little congested. It stays a little yeah. quieter. It's waiting for news. But when you look at like a daily standpoint or a weekly standpoint, that's really where true congestion comes into play. It helps with those higher time frames and those higher uh, opportunities. That's exactly right. I'm looking at the daily chart right now because there's some really good examples in both the NASDAQ and the ES right now. And as you mentioned, the other, because I mentioned the lower volatility, the notable exception is that you'll tend to see these range-bound congested areas before big announcements um, because people don't tend to have the conviction one way or the other right before the Fed speaks or right before unemployment. So that's a little bit different. It might not be what you're looking for. As mm -hmm. I look right now, I'm looking at the ES chart. We identified some good areas yesterday that kind of, or on Tuesday, um, you know, looking back to the October area and then, uh, you know, last week into it, that 4,300 to 4,400 in the ES, uh, there's a lot of congestion that's been on there. And it's definitely an area that traders are looking at as important. We're also got the 200 day move. Is that the 50 or 200 day? I forget which I have on there. We also have the 200 day moving averages about there. I have it at about 4,500 right now. And then there's another zone of congestion that we kind of went into um, up between, say, you know, kind of around 4,600 to 4,700 or say 4,500 to 4,700, where it's like to hang out in that area. It broke back into it today, crashed mm -hmm. through at the end. And now, as I'm speaking, uh, 44.99. So we're right back to that sticky 4,500 number. And that's kind of how I'm looking at congestion areas in the daily chart. Jack, I got to say, your chart reading, because I know your background in trading isn't much charting, your chart reading has exploded. It's phenomenal. Well done. Yeah, it's something I've had to change. I used to look at a lot of just completely esoteric gobbledygook charts yeah. because we were trading just very, very specific products and stuff like that. But, you know, since I've been a top step, I've gotten more interested in um looking at these outrights because hey people like to trade them they're fun and you know what they are fun i think that's and these are areas that jack's pointing out like i think the prime example you go back to that congestion from october we saw this market kind of bottom out right at 4300 and what did we just see we finally saw a sell-off and where did that sell-off approach it ripped right down to 4300 and when you look at this, yeah, I'm not sitting here saying, hey, as it hits 4,300, you got an opportunity to look for a buy because it does move through. I mean, we went all the way as low as like 4,209, uh, so it almost moves to 42. But in reality, 4,300 is still that support. 
And these are things that you can look at over time. So when you recognize, hey, that market's holding at that 43, we're not bouncing, we're not accepting below 43 on the higher time frame. So as we see that market sitting at 4,300, that's where your chance is to say, okay, we're at that previous consolidation. We're finding a little bit of support right now. I've got an opportunity as today's trading opens up. Let's see if we can start to catch that rotation to the upside. Once you start to see that rotation to the upside, that's where you're really able to execute and jump in on those moves. Yeah, so what Dan was saying there plays into the other, notice how we called these uh, congestion areas, or like Hogue likes to say, areas of importance. Not necessarily congestion areas always, but areas. In that your lines and levels can't be a rigid thing. We talk about this a lot because I think it's incredibly important. And you got to give things room to work and you got to be at a size that will allow that room. So none of these are just defined areas that could be good for, say, a range trade or looking for a breakout. But you can't be putting your full size on or just laying in at one line in the sand that you think it's rare that that's going to be the right play. Mm -hmm. uh, Dan, do you ever scale into things or are you usually just put on your size where it um, feels right no i scale in quite a bit so like for me what i do is and this is how my charts show right now is i actually we talked about boxes right mick was talking about those my boxes 42 50 up to 4300 back from october so that's what i'm going to look for and and that's bigger right that's a 50 point there's 50 points in there uh, but if I, as I start digging in deeper and I go to lower time frames, this is how I, how I go about my trading is as I start to approach these levels, I've got an opportunity. Okay. Hey, I don't want to miss this trade. So I'll, I'll start a little bit smaller, you know, I'll do a, a quarter unit, maybe a half unit, maybe an eighth of a unit, uh, where I'll get into my trade. So I'll put a little bit on, um, if the market starts to go against me, I'll scale into that. I'll add in a little bit more because I'm getting better pricing based off of my plan. Now, I'm not going to scale in and go, I got to get better pricing so that, hey, I can maybe make my money back quicker. I'm doing it because I'm, I've entered into my zone or I've entered into a little bit of that range. Okay, now I've got an opportunity for that long, but I've got room down below, but I want to be in this trade. So then I got a couple levels that I can get in as that market kind of pushes lower, pushes lower, pushes lower. And then there's a point where it's like, okay, if I go below here, this is accepted loss. I have to be out. But if we start to find that bottom here, this is where rotation may come. And that's where I'm going to be happy. So that's kind of how I get into my trades a lot of times is I'll, I'll put a little bit on. I'll add to it. I know my max of what I'm allowed to do within my trade plan. Um, but I won't be maxed out until I'm on the low side of that area. The important thing that you mentioned there is that you've already defined what your full size you were saying it in terms of a quarter unit, not just arbitrarily defending, defending, defending. But I think mm -hmm. scaling is a smart thing to do, especially with the concept of zones, because that way um, it, it gives you the idea to say that what we used to say when, because we were doing a lot of fade trading is, you know, you want your average essentially to be at that level. So you would be, people would be, you wouldn't say just the level you want. You'd also be like, uh, either be aggressive or something else. Aggressive yeah. would be like, uh, try and get a bunch of the size done ahead of the level and then leave a little back to average to it. And that's something to think about because if these things are zones and you're thinking about ways to get your expected value right, is it's a good idea to have the level you want to put on and to kind of average into it by being a little bit aggressive with a quarter of it. 
waiting for a little bit of it and then getting your full size there. But don't know where you're going to stop with that. It's not, uh, I'm, I'm just going to buy it at every level until the bank seizes my home. That's silly. You're not, you're not trying to be a bag holder here. Um, right. But it is a definitely a reasonable strategy that I would encourage people to do. Uh, and I think it's and I think it's important to note too. Like I know there's a lot of new traders out there that you're maybe trading one lots. You want to get into that style of trade. Look to the micros. You can actually start to develop that. Even if you're trading ones and twos, you can get into micros and say, okay, you know what? I like trading two lots in the minis, but I want to try this idea of kind of scaling into my trades to help cover my risk a little bit more. You can go ahead and go. All right, I play trade two lots in the minis. I'm going to trade. It's at 20 lots in the micros. You know, something like that where it's like, hey, I'll buy five. I'll let that go against me. I'll buy another five. And that's how I that that's how trading really kind of is. Yeah, you can scale historically. out historically. It's just a lot of times the broker would come into the pit and go, all right, I got a, I got a thousand at fifty, and so everyone's trying to buy him. Everyone's trying to buy him, and he gets his fill, um, and then he might come. Okay, I got another thousand at forty five, and then people are buying that up, and then you, it just they keep lowering those prices. And I've heard stories, um, you know, about back in the day where the broker would come in and go, okay, I got, I know I have 5,000 and he was, he'd come in and do his, his thousand, he'd do another thousand, he'd do another thousand as that market continued lower. And then he'd always take care of his guys at the end. Like, Hey, I like you. I like you. I like you. Um, so you're going to wait until I'm on my last thousand at my lowest price possible. I'm going to get you the best buy. And then that's how it would work. And so that's that that's historical trading, right? You're trying to just take it piece by piece as the market comes in. You want a little bit, you grab a little bit more as it keeps coming. You know, I'll take I'll take fifty, I'll take another fifty, I'll take a hundred. Oh, this is our bottom dollar, I'll take two fifty, and boom, you just built a position of four hundred contracts that you're now in the money on, and that's that's how this kind of goes. Yeah, things have changed a little bit, that's for sure. Um, but also, you can do some of the other side, too. If you have trouble, like many, many people do, with uh, holding your winners, you know, at the point where you're going to get out, take half off. Let half of it ride. You can do that. There's no mm -hmm. laws. You're your own boss. Do it. And, um, and one way of doing that, too, which is what I love, is uh, you can get into it and like you can take half off and when you're taking half off that's where your risk off it's like hey i got enough money in this i'm 100% risk off if i go all the way back to my stop because yeah. i locked in enough profit that i this is an automatic winning you know a minimum of a scratch for me yeah no that's a good way to look at it so dan uh, you've had a little bit of a uh, position change here at top step that i think feeds into a little uh, segment i thought we could do on this i might start Absolutely. doing it at the top because i think people will find it interesting so explain a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm part of our risk and compliance stuff and working with traders and making sure, you know, everyone is trading well, uh, looking at the best opportunities for them and uh, also keeping in mind, um, you know, making sure everything's working properly for our traders. Great. So as part of his um, risk management duties, uh, et cetera, he sees a ton of what top step traders and people in the combine, et cetera, are doing in the market. So I thought I would ask Dan, this could be a weekly thing. Uh, Dan, how did the traders do this week? And are there any trends or pitfalls you're noticing? Absolutely. Uh, so I've been watching our traders for years, but not as uh, intimately as I have been lately. 
And I will say one of the most interesting things I've seen is uh, between our funded level accounts, I've been watching a little bit and I'm seeing a lot of them actually like you'll see them coming in the morning and, and it's a strong day and I'll see what they're doing. They're trading ones and twos. They're up three, sometimes $4,000 um, on a small number of trades. So they're getting in, they're locking in profits. They're not taking crazy numbers. They've got relatively reasonable risk on these trades, which is what I like to see. Things in NASDAQ is one you got to keep in mind. Like it's hard to trade if you're going to do, you know, a 5, 10, 15 tick stop because it's just such a fast market on yeah. that open. So I'm really seeing a little bit of room on the risk. They're sizing in ones and twos, sometimes threes, um, making about five to 10 trades a day and really capitalizing on the profits. And then I'm seeing, I, I got upset today. I saw a trader who I've talked to a few times over the last uh, the last week, came in, had about 10 trades on the day um, by about 9.30, 10 o'clock. Um, up, God, I think it was close to $3,000. Um, and unfortunately, that trader continued to push, uh, tighten things up continued to push and uh, lost everything today at a broken rule. So it's when you continue that that push continuation is where I'm seeing traders struggle. Um, it's locking in those profits early and getting out early. That's what I'm seeing as uh, some of the better trading. Do you think it's usually uh, closing out and then getting these bad trades or are they just letting when, when things don't work out? Is it more they're holding something that's in their favor and they never take it off and then it's like running against them? Uh, you know, I think it's it's not so much that they start eating themselves up, so they start tightening up their stops. Okay. Um, they take one loss. Okay, let's just get that profit. Let's get back to that high water mark, and then they take another. And oh, then they start tightening I see what you're up. saying. And and as that market starts going against you, I'm seeing them continually tighten up, and then taking this these you know, hundred dollar losses, fifty dollar losses, twenty five dollar losses, these really tight losses, in a product like Nasdaq. When we all know how quickly a hundred dollars can come and go in Nasdaq, yeah, you know, and so that's really what I see when traders are struggling. It's that allowing themselves to get chewed up. Yeah, I mean, a good trade is a good trade. How much you're up, and this is hard to do in actuality, but I think it's true. How much you're up should not affect what you're doing as far as evaluating trades. If, if it's a good trade that is a positive expected, you take it. If, if you're mm -hmm. flattening up money, down's a little more complicated because you could have a risk limit thing that you have to mind. But theoretically, without any of those things, you should only take good trades and not change. The behavior you described of trying to get some arbitrary amount of money is not going to be your friend. And I'll, I'll speak from personal experience. I've done that multiple times where I have great PL starts. I'm coming out strong. I like where I'm at. I should, I know I should set, step down for the day. And I'll be like, you know what? I'll take that one more. And I take that one more and it goes against. And then there's that mental level of, I have to fight this. Uh, I have to fight to get back to where I was. Mm -hmm. I've done it a million times over my career. I, I've gotten better at it. You know, I accept that that first loss and okay hey i'm feeling it i just close these platforms out and get the hell away from me yeah what i've done too is you dive into if you're up a bunch of money and essentially flat you just start looking for other stuff to put on like i'm invincible right now and you'll mm -hmm. go into some trade i, I remember there'd be I, I didn't do a lot of these short duration uh trades that existed when i was trading 
treasuries, but like if I was up and flat and I wasn't, I would go manufacture trades, right? I would, I knew my part of the curve well, and I would look at it and I'm like, man, there's no, there's no other trades here, but I really, I really want to make this money. <laughs> yeah. I need more money. I'm feeling like, you know, <laughs> the, the incredible Hulk right now. I got to do it. So like, oh, you know, everyone's deep into this trade over here. F it. I have a lot of room now. I'm just going to pile into it. It's like, do you ever trade that normally? No. Right. But I when you're now. looking at the bonds, it's like it moves a tick. Oh, man, that's a, there's $31 I could have just made. Oh, it just moved 10 There's $310 I could have just made. And like, it's easy to do that when you see... And that's something I think I've, t- I've tried to press on a lot of new traders is like just because you see the market moving doesn't mean there's trade there. You know, you go back and I, I, I go back to pit days because I learned a lot about understanding why markets are moving. And there's always ebb and flow, right? The market's always going to go up and down. It's going to move. It's going to move. But like some of the biggest days that I've ever been kind of a part of on the floor were done in 45 minutes. Like you sit around all day and yeah, the market may have moved up and down, you know, 20 ticks up, 20 ticks down, and nothing happened, pretty dead of a day. And then all of a sudden, you know, a number comes out at 1.15, you know, one, I think 1 o'clock numbers would come out, and we'd run for 45 minutes. We'd do a crazy number of trades, um, just taking every order that came into the pit. Hey, I'll take 500 of that. I'll take 1,000 of that, you know, and screaming, mm-hmm. hedge me, hedge me, hedge me. You know, I got a, del- a delta of 100 on that. Okay, sounds good. You're filled here. And you're running, you're running, you're running. And that's when the money got made. And was like, wait a second. We just did, you know, massive numbers in 45 minutes. So just because the market's moving doesn't mean there's trade. So it's a matter of recognizing when that trade is there. Yeah. No, I think it's a good way to put it. Well, thanks for that update there. Um, that's probably about we got to conclude now, unless there's uh, some questions or comments you want to address here, Dan. Uh, no, I just saw a really funny one from PD. Um, we were just talking about that 0.2 billion, and uh, he said I could turn that 0.2 into 0.1 real quick. Uh, Hell yeah. What's the old saying? How do you make uh, How do you make a million dollars trading? Start with two. Yeah, exactly. I've seen people definitely fall into that before. So that's yep. good. Well, otherwise, I think uh, we're close to sign up for the week. So if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, whatever, and you enjoyed it uh you know rate review it helps people see it uh it's presented by top step you can check out our website uh hogue is doing the morning forecast at 7:45 central time each morning and the recap at three except for today when we do the podcast so dan you having a good weekend i sure hope so i got some plans i'm excited and uh how about you i'm just gonna sit around i can't wait it's gonna be a good one so that's gonna be me tonight yeah well hope everyone's having a good time out there hope the trades are in your favor that's all for limit up namaste and trade well hey thanks for listening limit up is a podcast by top step check us out online at topstep.com check out the morning forecast at 745 on the top step youtube channel that's central That's your homework for now. Rate us, review us on iTunes. We'll see you next week.